Oh, kia ora, everybody. What's up? Uh, Rebecca Hollis here. Welcome to Rebecca Live, episode number 301. Stunned to know what we're doing here. It's pretty good. Um, lots been going on in New Zealand the last little bit. And I th- yesterday I was having a conversation with uh, another friend of mine, um, good friend, smart guy, and he was talking about, um, you know, some of the potential issues that he sees from the outside, I guess, looking into uh, New Zealand as well, and especially potentially with a, a cultural lens. And I, th- I was very interested about that. Text a couple of the crew. And before you know it, ladies and gentlemen, power panel. There we go. Sir Ian Taylor, knighted. Let's all bow in his greatness. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Founder of Animation Research. Uh, Grant Straker, CEO of um, uh, Straker Translations, uh, offers a cloud-enabled global translation service with its multilingual and web-based platform enabling human translators to deliver quick, accurate translations. I totally stole that offline. I just copy-pasted it, Grant, so don't make it look like that. But 16 officers, 60 mil um, in rev. And recently, I was actually doing some digging recommended from the motley fool recently mate so well done there doing some some good good stuff which is pretty cool and then um the bro we, we always do the ugliest one last um so tp carthane jumping in there ex stanford ex kpmg director of wakatu managing about 300 million in assets um especially within maldedom also plug obama foundation leader and trustee of the kenya foundation how are you bro and good friend and the biggest muscles of all of us how are we doing fellas good <laughs> There we go. See, I had to at least like, give it some context to, qu- to quickly start with. So I guess I'll, I'll, maybe we'll jump st- straight into it for a, a little bit. Going around the circle for a second, how would, you, um, how would you gauge the tone of the nation right now? Divided. How so? How so? Yeah. Um, you know, I think... I, I, yeah, I... We've seen the worst. I mean, I think this whole, um, the whole COVID drive has been driven by fear. Um, from day one, it was driven by fear. <clears throat> and I've seen an incredible division of not only the country, but a, a sort of selfishness that arose across the country where, you know, we ignored the people who were overseas. And the number of times you ran into people who would say, you know, oh, no, we've got to keep those borders locked, you know, because lives matter. Well, there were lives overseas. We we had, the you know, the, this record of out of 186 countries that were named, we were the worst country in the world for the number of our citizens that we'd locked overseas. And um, I, I've just been ashamed at the selfishness of that. And then when Auckland went into its lockdown, I mean, I even noticed it in the South Island, you know, people started to talk about those Aucklanders. Um, and I hope they don't think they're coming down here, bringing their bloody COVID with them. There was just this divisiveness, which is heartbreaking. Mm. G? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with um, with Ian. I think that we are, um, we're divided and there's a couple of different mindsets. So I, I think we, we need to get through the next phase of this so that we can that we can move forward but um yeah we're also i think the state of the nation is we're kind of in reverse i think we're not moving forward right now we we have a lot going on and and i think that we we were in the best position in the world after 2020 to actually take advantage of of the hard yards the country had done and rather than taking advantage of it and saying, you know, now is the time to take some risks and to actually start to, to really um, 
beverage this, uh, what we saw as a company was that the rest of the world was opening up and, and that we was down here trying to fight a battle with our, um, uh, you know, trying to fight a boxing match with our hands tied behind our backs because there was no ability for business to travel um, and those sorts of things. And that's just driven us, it, it, it's, it's put some brakes on um, and gone past the brakes and almost into reverse now while, while other countries mm-hmm. have been able to move forward. So uh, we've got some issues we need to work through, that's for sure. Mm. So TP? Yeah, I think what we've seen is there has been a number of systemic cracks in the system um, that have developed and gotten worse over the, te- over the years that we've put a thin veneer over and we've seen that veneer be um, scrubbed away and the cracks really starting to emerge uh, in, the last, uh, in the last year, year and a half. Um, particularly in regards to um, the downtrodden or the um, less fortunate or the people who feel disconnected from the existing system. Um, and usually what has happened in the past, particularly in, in, tribal, in, in tribal settings, is that when you have less, you share more. But that hasn't necessarily been the case. What we've seen is that people who, through no fault of their own through the COVID um, period, have received different support than people who through no fault of their own in the non-COVID periods have supported. And so I think we've seen an accumulation of unrest and of that disenfranchisement, which um, has come to a culmination. Uh, But as as downcast as that sound, I think we've also seen a lot of aroha come to the forefront, um, particularly for community leadership from groups like um, Whanua Waipareira, who vaccinated 70,000 people in Auckland after in the last lockdown. Um, My my iwi and ngati tua we've been at the front lines vaccinating um, purirua wellington and trying to make sure that we take things in our own hands and we're not willing to leave it to a system that has systemically not being able to uh, support uh, the communities that we represent and so the ability for us to take hold of that aroha and drive it out into the systems ourselves has been a real opportunity for us to show some sense of leadership in our communities yeah, I think there's a couple of ones that jump on there. You know, to, to Grant's point about that lost opportunity, I know that, you know, a couple of years ago, you'd, I think maybe four or five years ago, you'd moved um, one of the offices to Gisborne and then now through, I guess, the MIQ stuff, that's potentially like not the case anymore, the cost of that for the, from a business side, right? That's correct. I mean, it's it's incredibly frustrating because I think like Surrey and what we've tried to do, and we've certainly been in that New Zealand tech sector, trying to do this is to drive Maori engagement with um uh, you know, with, with all Māori at all level to get them involved in technology because it, it is it is the future. And so as part of doing that, we wanted to make sure that we could build, you know, technology and build out in the regions of New Zealand. That was something that we set out <clears throat> to do and we and we did it. We set up in Gizmi, we um, down in Tairapati, we, we, you know, we made investments down there and then just through the fact that <clears throat> there was just no allocation. And again, this is where I just think we made some some big mistakes. And I mean, again, we can all go back over them. We've got to figure out what the what the future is, not not look back so much. But some of these, I, I think all ecosystems can take a bit of bruising. I think they can, um, you know, they can take a bit of damage. You can sustain that, but you don't want to damage the framework. So you, you, you don't want to damage. And, and I think what's happened now is that because the rest of the world's been so open, it's damaged that some of the frameworks that have taken an incredibly long time for us to build up. And so it does become really frustrating because I, I want to sit here and start sort of talking about the past and just ranting on about things that, that really frustrate me having put so much work in over so many years to get there. But we've really got to figure out 
you know what's what's the right way forward um so we have we, we, we've had to put an office in the philippines rather than down there because we need staff who can do global roles who can travel who can do all sorts of other other, other things and we just couldn't get um miq uh, any miq spots at all i mean i'm doing my first trip for two and a half years next week um, I've got 250 staff around the world and not once could I get a, a spot to go and travel and to engage with major contracts and to do things that I really needed to do. And I'm, I, I just never understood um, the logic. And that's part of the division, right? Because I'm sitting here going, I really need to do that. Other people are going, well, you know, there's a pandemic going on and I've got to come home because of other things and, you know, personal issues. Um yeah, but but yeah, look, I mean, I, I guess if anything, we, we want to figure out how, how do we get back to that state where we are starting to build in New Zealand, where we are starting to put that stuff in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that is this 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 leadership. I, I hear what TKP was saying then. I was the same mind I, I went down and sort of said, look, how can I help the vaccinations? I was really lucky. One of my cousins down there is a nurse. And so she had been at our Marae just sort of getting everybody vaccinated right but they struggled with with the young right so they got all the komatsu had no problem all the young and i was saying well can we get them up to auckland let's take them out on fishing trips and then they get you know like what, what can we do to try and get these uh, but then we couldn't get them across the border then you just couldn't do all sorts of stuff um so um you know that leads into how do you use this big network that we have how do we how, how do we engage all, all these marais, all these, you know, the the iwis, and and start to build something positive. And and I guess that's that's the conversation I would like to have today. Is you know what what's what's the solution now? Because I think if we if we get bogged down and all the things that have gone wrong, we'll we'll just be uh, I'll be ranting on for ages. No, no, I totally get it. The um, I, I think there's a bunch of clear points in there. You know, made one was you know we sort of missed that opportunity for you know commercial attraction of like magnet of global opportunity to be able to come down. The world was paused. We were moving. Didn't quite do it. But every time, like even to the point, you know, in you, you know the, the the testing stuff that you've sort of got to, there seems with every problem there overarchingly seems to be some type of tension or issue between the public sector and the private sector to be able to like engage with and learn from or actual solutions that exist that aren't necessarily within their current ecosystem whether it be the borders or bits and pieces so there's it feels like there's a it's a massive opportunity project grants point where we've got a bunch of amazing kiwis that know a lot of stuff about a lot of things there's a lot of problems and these issues but it feels like trying to get to the decision maker or get up through the right systems or the the, the ecosystem to be able to do it feels like time and time again it's um a mass loss opportunity because if you think about you know new zealand's great because it's so small and everyone knows everyone but then to, to a scenario like yourself mm-hmm. Ian, you, know, you, you are sir ian and you can't even get to certain people for certain conversations and whatever else as well when it's such a small spot like how do we navigate the tension or friction between i guess not public or private sector but basically kiwis who can help and kiwis who want to help because it feels like there's a gap there that's this time and time again we've we've not really cracked over this last couple of years and moving forward it clearly has to or else there's just going to be frustration with people that have possibilities or solutions probably you know maybe talk about the test thing or whatever else you want to go into but it feels like there's something there that's hand-breaking progress and i don't know how to weave that together in a smoother fashion so you know there's that maori whakatauke ko ngā tahua o tapawai anana he he to ira ora mō a kōpō 
the footsteps we lay down in the past create the paving stones of where we stand today, and those footsteps are always in front of us. So it is easy to say, look, the past is the past, let's move on. But in that Māori worldview, we walk backwards into the future with the past totally in front of us. And we have to learn from those footsteps that were taken. And the lessons are enormous. And it is that, um, I mean, I, I never believe that we would hit a situation where truly in innovative business you know, decisions to help move the country forward would be simply shut down. Absolutely no dialogue. And, you know, one day I think I'll write a book of the number of offers that have just gone absolutely nowhere. We, we should have been, we could have been the safest country in the world. And, you know, whilst that's a could have been, we need to start reviewing where we go from here. We had the safest borders and the easiest borders in the world to protect. Um, we should have we, we should have from day one said COVID has arrived. Now we have to protect lives and livelihoods. They are combined. And the focus from this health approach was solely about lives. And, you know, if I hear the Prime Minister stand up again and the only justification for MIQ, the only justification for lockdowns is look at the number of lives we've saved. Well, actually, you know, we went from this elimination strategy. They don't use that word anymore. We are rife with COVID in the country, and it didn't have to be. So hopefully, I, I'm not seeing any signs even now of the organisation that's in place listening. You know, we've had rapid antigen tests banned till October. Banned. And, you know, everyone was using them around, around the world, and now... Um, the government, I just saw an announcement yesterday that the government are patting themselves on the back because over the rest of this month, 101 million doses of rapid antigens will arrive in the country. 65 million of those were organised by private business for them and absolutely no acknowledgement of that. And the, the, the real shame of that was those 65 million could have been here before Christmas. But we picked up on some correspondence between a company called Kudu Spectrum and the government that had been ignored, totally ignored. Um, and now, of the 101 million they're boasting about, 65 million of those are coming from the company that they didn't bother to answer the emails. So we do have to learn from those steps. And we have to start highlighting these um this failure to respond. Otherwise, we're going to end up down the track and you know, everybody will be patting themselves on the back about how well we did. We lost an amazing opportunity to be a world leader. And, and I agree with TP, you know, as, as the government is saying, you know, how wonderful the um, MIQ was and how well we've done, they are totally ignoring the thousands and thousands of people who will be suffering for a very long time, who've lost their homes, who've lost their pride, who've lost hope. And I think just to wrap it up, um, I saw a, a stat yesterday that 40% fewer kids sat in CEA this, this last year. Now, that's a hole in our education system for our young people. If we wanted our young people moving into 
tech into, and, and this isn't just Māori Pacifica, this is right across the board. But if we wanted our people moving into those high-value jobs, we needed to find a way to keep our schools running. This hole will be with us for decades. Hmm. Hugo, TP? Yeah, there's, there's an, another whakatauki that I learned from Julian Wilcox. is uh, and that means reach into the abyss so that the opportunity may emerge. Um, and I think when we look back at this, we saw empathetic leadership, but perhaps not courageous leadership to take advantage of the opportunity that was presented to us. We were in a unique position in that we had a very strong, um, strong response in the first wave. And there was opportunities that we could have taken to secure uh, a, better, a, better, a better future uh, for our standing on the world stage. Um, when, when we look at where, where we're currently at, um, I think that this, there is an inertia in the, in the system, in the decision-making um, system, that's always been rather characteristic of the public sector. And I, I truly don't think it's through any kind of acrimony or, um, or no. ill-meaning by the people in charge. It's just the nature of the system. Um, for, uh, for example, we heard a lot of rhetoric um, even from the top table about how Maori um, vaccination rates were lagging, um, were lagging behind everybody, everybody else, and that was the primary, the primary reason was given that Maori were reticent to get vaccinated. Uh, where what we saw is that a, a unified group of Maori health providers went to the government in February with a national rollout plan in February, and nothing they got absolutely no um, no foothold with that. And then we get to August and they're saying, actually, Māori aren't getting vaccinated fast enough. We didn't, re we didn't take into account that 70% of Māori are under 40, which means that 70% of Māori didn't, um, didn't come into that under 40 threshold until late August. And this is uh, a problem that Māori said, we have a solution. We are connected to our, uh, to our people, to our communities. We can go street by street and vaccinate our whānau. But that was rejected because it wasn't within the existing decision-making framework. So when we're talking about courageous leadership, it's the courage that it's acknowledging that perhaps Lambton Key doesn't necessarily fully understand the problem. And in doing so, we can't necessarily come up with the perfect solution. And the other thing is that the solution is more important than who owns the solution. So if we can't, if we can't inherently deliver an effective Māori vaccination strategy from Wellington, then get it up to people who can. Because the most important thing is that people get vaccinated, not that anyone um, is able to own the outcomes or cut the ribbon or things of that nature. That's courageous leadership. It's making sure that the outcome is more important than the individual money gained by being able, able to deliver it. Yeah, I think, you know, the each of these points that feels there's always that disconnection between ability to get to the right people that can make the decisions, the communication, the education, the extra options and working with for a better solution. So, you know, obviously last couple of days with what happened at, the, um, at Parliament looked like a flipping gong show. So it's like, that's a spark, that's a moment, that's a clear, you know, a, a dark time visually for whatever, getting into the details of the nuts and bolts of who did what or he said, she said shit. How, if, if that is, let's say if that's um, ground zero of not, this isn't what we're about and this isn't, what we represent this isn't us how do you think strategically the smartest way the government 
public, private sector, corporates, businesses, all of us can navigate strategically different from the last couple of years to make, to Prairie Grant's point, how does that then move forward? Like what are the, what are the levers that need to change in the, for the next two years to make sure that what happened for the last two doesn't just happen? Yeah, I think I, I can come in on, on that. First of all, TP, I've got to say, mate, that Julian Wilcox, we, we, we played a couple of seasons of footy together in, in our younger days. And I'm bloody, which is one thing I'm glad about COVID is that I wasn't in a stadium with him on the weekend when the <laughs> Hurricanes beat the Blues because yeah. he would have been bloody unbearable. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I'm a Blues supporter and he's, he's yeah. Um, so, um, Hey, look, you know, if you come back, I mean, there's, um, there's a good book that came out recently actually by a guy called Ray Dalio. He's, he's, I think he's one of the world's five or ten richest guys and, and he runs a big fund and, and it's called The Changing World Order. And that, it, it does go through history and it just looks at that, which is, which is and, and, he, and he outlined a few things that were going to happen in the world <clears throat> going forward. And I think um, what's happening in the Ukraine is, is a bit ahead of his timeline, but but the, the logic is is there. But what it does, it just looks at cycles and it goes that often when you get to the lowest point, which, which as you say, could have been um, at the weekend with that, you, you've got to start to rebuild. And, and as you rebuild, there's normally opportunities for um, leadership to come in and, and, and to head in the right direction uh, and, and, and to pull people together. Um, when I look at the, the the issue is also, I'll jump back. One of the big things that you get out of that book is that nations that have prospered or societies that have prospered, the governments worked very closely with the producers of wealth, right? So the people who have the ability to generate <coughs> and work through things, the government has worked very closely with them. In this case, I think our, our government, it's really a bit in their court, which I think is what Ian's trying to say is, is the producers of wealth have been absolutely willing to throw everything in to help us get through this and, and to work together. And, and we've hit a brick wall. And so if that continues to be the, uh, the attitude from, from that side, we've really got some major issues. Uh, I, I really do believe that. So they have to be open to working with, with this. And, and I guess that's part of the frustration <clears throat> is to be successful, if you look at what Ian's done or you know, what we do in our industry and what so many successful, certainly technology entrepreneurs do, is in some way we have an ability to, to see the future. And we're able to then execute on that because we can see how things are going to play out. We can see the opportunity if you can execute on some certain plans and that's how you start to generate some prosperity. Um, and so that's a massive asset for any country to have. And I think there's a lot of Māori who, who have that in, in droves, right? They, you know, they can see what's going to go on and they have the, um, you know, the energy and the ability to, to go and take advantage of that. But we can't do it <clears throat> alone. We have to do it um, with the government. And so I think if you've got Iwis who now, you know, have a really substantial capital base, you, you get the, the entrepreneurs who have that energy and the ideas to try and put it together. And, and, and the government allow us to have a framework to actually manage and grow, we, we can get there. Um, but at the moment, I, I just feel the way that they've framed everything is this risk, scared, live in fear, you know, just that attitude. Whereas I think entrepreneurs, by, by nature, we, we, we're the complete opposite, right? And we're, maybe we're too far in one way. We're the, let's just jump in the deep end and and, and, and figure out, <clears throat> um, 
you know, how we get there. So, so I think we need that attitude. I, I agree with Ian on the, you know, we, it just can't be about, look, we've got the minimum number of deaths. I mean, if, if, you know, if you take Ukraine and you said, well, if we wanted, you know, if they wanted the minimum number of deaths, they'd just surrender. And then you'd absolutely have the minimum number of deaths there. And that's not, you know, there are other things worth fighting for and worth, worth doing that, that play into this equation. And that's our long-term um, future. But we, we've got a, and, and the other thing that plays out, I think, a little bit and when, when you look at that, just because it is topical right now, is, you know, the more digital digitalized their economy, the more that they can actually keep, jobs and funding and all sorts of things happening out of there and they've done a good job of 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 being digital so um you know that is our our future i think um but yeah if we're, we're at ground zero right now the, the government it's really in their court to come out and say right business we want to work with you we want to work with everybody and figure out what the solution <clears> is but i think we're all weary now that what they say to us we're not we're not a hundred percent trusting because we've seen them say stuff and then just never follow through. So, so they've got to show some real intent um, as to how they're going to help us create these jobs and, 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 and these industries that we need sort of over the next uh, couple of decades. I agree. Hmm. TP? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think what, what happens in these kind of situations is that the um, the incumbency of the existing situation is broken down so much that we can we can either choose to have the path di dictated in, in front of us, or we can take control of that path. One of the big facado um, that I'm uh, very bullish on is this idea of economic emancipation uh, as Maori that we can be masters and commanders of our own ships. And you talked about the. The growing Māori economy, I think um, the last report, the last bill report um, estimated at $68 billion. But I think the important thing is not so much the, the growth of the, those assets and the accumulation of wealth. It's how do we utilize that wealth and put it to work, making our people's lives better. And as long as we um, are dependent on other, other groups, be they a well-meaning government, be they um, other agencies to drive this um, well-being and social outcomes for our people, we'll always be um, lagging behind, uh, lagging behind uh, the general populace. Um, particularly for for Maori, we did see a large large number of our people, some of our own whānau, involved in um, in the altercations in in Wellington uh, at Parliament, and that's a real um, indictment of our existing system. And whilst we, as as Ngāti Tō, as Mana Whenua, um, were very firm in our support of uh, people's right to protest. Um, we also acknowledge that the way that the protests unfolded, moving more towards violence and moving more towards um, uh, more towards uh, social discord, was something that we didn't agree with. The disrespect to mana whenua. Uh, we had pipes running, um, dumping human excrement into our uh, into our harbour that we've worked for uh, for decades to try to help clean up, and. These, these are big issues, and it, it does show us that, yes, we can sit here on Twitter or we can sit here on Facebook and um, live two different, very separate, separated viewpoints, um, but at the end of the day, we're still whānau, and those whānau um, have felt disconnected from the pathway that was laid for them, and it is incumbent on us um, to make sure that we are able to 
create an environment that brings those whānau back into the um, back into the fold and feel supported into the future. I'm not willing to wait for other people to build those support mechanisms. Um, in you had mentioned about um, NCEA, we released a report last year that says to achieve equity um, for Māori in the New Zealand economy, we need to move 23,000 Māori from low skill to high skill jobs, and that takes we need three we need almost 4,000 more rangatahi Māori graduating with university ed, well gaining university entrance every year, which is twice what they used to be. We know the existing um, education system doesn't do that. So it's, it would be irresponsible of us, armed with this knowledge, to wait for other people to do that. And it's for us in that sense of economic emancipation to do it for ourselves. And if people want to join with us, great. We'll work with that in opportunity. But um, I'm sick of waiting. So I, I want to address that because I, I think that, you know, we talk about the Māori economy. There are two issues I want to talk about. We need to take control as, as the country. Now that the borders are open, Grant, um, I don't trust the government. I think business now, we've got our doors open. Now we need to go. That The thing that stopped us was the government had full control of our borders and we couldn't get in and out. But I want to talk about iwi involvement and the iwi leaders and education. You know, we have just released... we. we we have taken an approach. I totally agree with you, TP. You know, I've seen the results for NCA. I, I mean, and who measures by NCA anyway? You know, STEM. What is STEM? Science, technology, engineering, math. It's Matauranga. Now, we have just launched and funded privately with a white guy a million-dollar project into schools that's free to every primary intermediate school in the world, but focused at the Pacific Islands and New Zealand. And we're just raising another rounds of funds. No government funding, but interestingly, no iwi funding at all either. Now, I went to those investment arms to say, if we are going to move our kids, let's start with our tamariki in primary and intermediate schools, and we'll shift them in a generation, but they have to understand this thing called STEM is in their DNA. And the voyage across the Pacific Ocean using celestial navigation, the waka haurua, that is science, technology, engineering, and math. The design of parasites during the land wars, engineering, math, physics. It's all of those things. But I got no involvement from iwi at all. Um, and one, one um, you know, response was, that's not our responsibility. The Ministry of Education should do that. Well, actually, it is our responsibility. And if we've got a $65 billion engine, then we should be using it <clears throat> for that. So I have a lot of questions for our iwi leaders. And it's interesting, if you take a look at Matauranga, you'll see that that went through with no help from any of them. But it's telling the stories, and the response from schools has been absolutely remarkable. Now, if I could just get back, I think... You know, Grant, you were right. We shouldn't be relying on the politicians. Um, I, I, I love that Fakatogi TP that you had, and I hadn't heard it before. But one of the things we did here was when we looked at COVID a year, two years ago now, we made the decision that we would never use the word challenge with COVID, never in the same sentence. It was here. What are the opportunities? And interestingly, one of the opportunities is one that got us out of control of the government as well. We designed a full remote system that meant we didn't travel at all. We do all of our sports from this building here now where we couldn't have done them if we'd let the government take them. We couldn't get in and out. So 
We've actually taken that opportunity, and now the, now the borders are open, Grant. I think businesses have got to start going, we've seen what government does. We've seen the constraints that public service has. They can't move fast enough. So now that we're able to travel, businesses should be working together, supporting each other. So, you know, the fronteras of this world, the big grunty places should be looking to New Zealand technology industry saying, actually, how can we take you along for this ride now? In New Zealand, how can we take you along? I mean, I mean, we're not a big company, but we have huge access to all the sporting events in the world. We're opening that access to a number of small companies saying, hey, you guys got really great technology, come for the ride with us now. And now that we can get you in and out because we haven't got MIQ, let's start doing it fast. So there's a couple of things to unpack there, but one of the interesting things I was just thinking about is you got the, you know, the the the, the risk approach to Grant's point as well as, you know, I've been talking to a few people uh, recently and, and specifically even some, some bigger cash crew and they are proactively trying to get their capital out of New Zealand. And then a bunch of people with good skill sets are also trying to leave the, the talent there too. So there's like a, a, instead of what could have been the magnet of opportunity for global commerce coming in is now turning some of the people that love the place the most to try and take their, their, the capital and talent potentially um, away, which is even, even sort of crazier. Um, so I, I want to maybe jump on that. Oh, actually, Oh, here we go. We've got a little guest jumping in. Kia ora, Marissa. How are you? Kia ora, Marina. How are you all? Okay. I, good. I saw you pop up and I had to just, without a doubt, just put you straight in the mix. So what would you like to, to say? Jump on in. Oh, I just want to um, say to Sirian, I'm just loving your um, articles and the humour in them, but also the pretty much the objective. I mean, I just, it's like you're saying everything I'm thinking, you know? So I just want to say salute you for doing that. That's much needed and, um, you know, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, he, he's a, he's a Sir Ian that's been knighted, but he also gets trolled to the fact where he can't get access to the people who make the decisions, and he's thinking of deleting social media because he's getting trolled on with the comment warriors. How how are you dealing with that, Ian? Oh no no, I, I actually that's not the reason. That's not the wasn't the reason for for wanting to leave. I'm I'm happy for the trolls. Um, <clears throat> the for me it was a, the the awareness that actually. No matter what you do, I, I always look for the result. And I had fully expected that this system that we put in place to get people traveling would be implemented by December. You know, I, this, you know, here's this thing. So imagine what we were going to do was to say we didn't need MIQ and we didn't, or MIQ should be using for use for people who had no other options. So let's free that up. And we let's start with business. So this is this, this here is the equivalent of PCR test, but you get the result in half an hour. So the test I conducted was to show the government, here's what we do. We make sure that no one gets on a plane that hasn't tested negative with one of these at the airport half an hour or say two hours before they get on the plane. So now we've just reduced the need for MIQ because people are flying in without COVID. And then before you actually do anything, again, one of these tests would clear them again within an hour of them landing. So that's when you start to move things around and go, well, you can self-isolate for five days. You, you've got it. You need, you know, so there are all these options that would have made us a world leader. This was offered to the government a year and a half ago. And 
they didn't take it. So anyway, what's done is done. But the reason I guess I'm thinking about, you know, the LinkedIn stuff is that in the end, it doesn't make a difference. We are talking to ourselves and we um, you generally attract like-minded people. So, you know, a lot of huge support. But when I looked out and you look at the protest and you look at what the government's doing, um, I just thought, actually, I've got to find another way to make a difference that actually happens on the ground. And, you know, if I could talk just about that protest, and I agree, you know, it, it got totally out of hand. But imagine if we had introduced rapid antigen tests. I mean, they were banned till October. Banned. But if we had re introduced rapid antigen tests, the first thing we would have done, as they do in America, is any teacher who has a reason for not being vaccinated, the most important thing, or nurse or doctor, is that it's important that we know you don't have COVID. That's more important than knowing you're vaccinated. Um, you know, so vaccination and testing was critically important. And the division that's been driven is they took one path, vaccination, nothing else, you people aren't vaccinated, you're out the back door. Wonderful teachers who could have arrived each day, taken a PCR, uh, taken a rapid antigen test. We knew they were going into the classroom without COVID. That is the objective. And when you do that every two to three days, it's as good as a PCR test. So, you know, I've just, I've seen this division driven by a refusal by government to listen and then spending so much time on LinkedIn and stuff at the end of the week going, did I make a difference? And the answer was no. So where else can I go that will actually make a difference? And one of the things I'm really proud of was that a group of four of us in a period of 12 days managed to ship 30,000 rapid antigen tests into Tonga and 2,000 of these into Tonga so that no one stepped ashore without COVID. We managed to ship those within 12 days for free. And that makes a difference. Mm. Yeah. Your, your take, Marissa, what's your take on it all? And then I'll, I'll get Grant back in here. What's what's your take on on everything you've been hearing and, I guess, insights to Aotearoa today? That's to Grant or to me? No, you. <laughs> to, to you, sorry. Yeah. Floor, yeah, is, floor I, is yours. We're waiting. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I just, um, I was like you, I, Siri, and I just thought there was no reason for why we ended up where we ended up yesterday, the day before. You know, it was just uh, pretty shocking. And I, and I, I was one of the very compliant people, right? I, I got vaxxed. I, I, I really thought it was part of our social contract that we needed to protect the vulnerable and we all should have done our bit and stepped up. Um, so I was very pro-vax and very not very um, misunderstood. I didn't have a lot of tolerance for the people that wouldn't do it, right? Um, but then I kind of, towards the end of last year, because I was really angry about the whole situation, and I just got angry for all my business friends and business who I could just watch them, mental health issues, you know, um, all that stuff. So I got quite angry. But what I think I've realised is that... Um, I had to let go of that. And when I let go of that and actually realised why people, that people have a choice, you know, we have choices. But when we start making people, um, you know, this whole mandate around losing your job and all this kind of stuff, if you didn't get it, 
we actually had other ways we could have managed that, and that's what you were saying about if we'd had the um, rapid antigen tests here, we would have had other ways we could have managed that. So I got it up until mid last year where we, we, we didn't know what we were dealing with and we needed to be really have a protective shield. But after that, there were other ways to not punish people for not doing it um, because – but what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing is that we didn't – we decided or the government decided that they knew best – and there was an arrogance. And interestingly, I was talking to my friend last night, and she said, what we're seeing is um, almost like uh, student politics. You know, um, it, they're like, they're practicing, you know, because they don't really know what they're doing. And it sort of feels like you're watching student politics at university, right? Um, and this is, feels like that's what we have been the victim of, um, that they didn't really know what they were doing. They're going to stick with one thing, um, and it's our way or the highway, because if we had to think of anything else, then it's like, whoa. So I guess the resulting anger is not surprising. And actually, um, when they go back and do the deep dive back into this, and you think about people, and you think about people's lives, um, it wasn't, it shouldn't have come as a surprise. Actually, what happened was, was predictable, actually. Like, you can't take people's livelihoods away from them and think they're just going to sit at home feeling good about it. I mean, it's just, you know, and so I'm sad that those pictures went around the world. Um, I don't know if you know, but in the New York Times, the global briefing, we were the second story under the Ukrainian war. That went mm. around the world. I mean, what? What does that say about us, you know? I mean, it, usually it's Israel and the Palestinians or whatever, but no, after the Ukrainian war, it was New Zealand riot police and fires on, you know, grounds of government. It was like the Capitol thing, you know, Capitol Hill, you know? It's like, whoa. So I don't know how we, where we go forward from here. I don't know how we fix um, those divisions. I think more of these conversations where we say, hey, look, you guys weren't wrong um, to be angry. Maybe we need to do a bit more outreach around that and say we could have handled it better. Um, we hear you. Uh, but the fact that they didn't even engage early on um, just escalated it. And then, you know, I'm sorry, but Trevor Mallard sprinkling them and playing stupid music. I mean, it's like schoolboy shit, you know? That's just, you know, what is that? You know, that's just bullshit, right? So... Marissa, um, could I... Can I, you know, I've just mentioned before that we need to be talking about things we can do that make a difference. Yeah. Now, I just saw a message come up that said, so how come Māori organisations are struggling to find rats? Well, actually, here's a message to our iwi leaders and that $65 billion Māori economy. We put together 26 businesses who fronted up with $6.5 million, because this is the only way you can buy this stuff. They right. fronted up $6.5 million and bought one and a half million rapid antigen tests, which we got here in three weeks and distributed to all of those businesses at cost. Now, right. we can sit here and complain that we're having trouble getting rapid antigen tests, or they could get into their investment funds and say, actually, here's $5 million that all we have come together. Let's, I'll, I'll give you the phone number to make the order for these rapid antigen tests and we take control. We fly those in and we get them out to our regions, our iwi to places where we're suffering and do that. We don't sit around and wait for the government to actually hand them out as they see fit. So 
instead of, you know, we have talked about looking back at mistakes, well, here's um, something that we can do, do now and move forward. So if a group of iwi investors wants to come together and needs a phone number, I can give them that phone number and they can place an order for a million rapid antigen tests tomorrow. Yeah. Mm. Appreciate you jumping in, uh, Marissa. Always good to see you. Hope you hope you're winning. Thank thanks a lot, and got Grant back in the mix. Be good, Marissa. Thanks, see Marissa. You soon. Yeah. Thank you. What a good human, Marissa's <laughs> rad. Uh, there you go. You back back G. All all good. Um, so good good solid banter. Um, there was uh, listen to there's been a bunch of um. A bunch of interesting things come through. You go, Matt, arrogance and not knowing what they're doing. Were they not listening to the qualified practitioners who got a discussion? Can you guys hear me? They knew what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I got you, bro. You're in there. You're live, bro. You're sweet. So, T- TP, how do you think? How do you think this plays out? Well, I, I think it would be um, it would be naive of us to think that there wasn't a connection between the existing um, social divide that was um, in place pre-COVID and the outcomes that we saw on Parliament lawn last week. Um, there is a reason why people are uh, less likely to, to listen um, to the evidence-based um, recommendations. There's a reason why people are feeling disenfranchised with the existing system. And we can try to treat the symptoms or we could go to the root cause. And the root cause is that we have seen in the last, in the last decade a ridiculous amount of equal- um, inequality continue um, to um, to grow in our community. Um, now, going back to what Sarian was talking about, for particularly with STEM and education, like there is that is the uh, the head in front of what our what our solution should be for our long term approach. Um, and we know we have to acknowledge that the existing system doesn't work for some people. <coughs> it works for it works for um, a, a good group, and that's fine. But we know particularly, and often those lines are on socioeconomic and and um, and racial divides. And so if there are systems that work better, um, we need to be uh, courageous enough as a country to lean into those solutions. My um, trust, Te Putea Whakotuku, we've been funding a national literacy and numeracy program for the last four years. We've spent $5 million on it. Um, and it's about uh, instilling our tamariki Māori with a sense of, um, with a sense of identity and tying that to the educational pathways. But there's no reason why a charitable trust should necessarily be carrying the weight of this funding. We fund our final order agencies to deliver it in in regions. We've done all of the evidence um, uh, evidence based research that is required to show that for every one dollar that uh, my trust invested, we get one point seven dollars worth of value um, in outcomes. So if you're telling me that by spending four million dollars you get a seven million dollar return, that should be enough evidence for people to start mobilizing assets towards effective solutions in Māori communities. At the moment. It's um, silence, and I don't think that's good enough. We are trying to change the way that um, resources get mobilised towards Māori communities, and if we can't do it with evidence and with market research to show that this is a true problem, what else do we have to do? Like uh, like Surian said, if we present an opportunity for us to materially change the outcomes of our people, then why do we have to fight so hard to do that? Shouldn't it be natural? Yeah. Could I look, you can. So just very quickly, um, if you just jump on the website, matauranga.co.nz with two A's, 
If you go there, that's all you ever have to do. Jump up into the top corner, which says what's new, and have a look at what Kaikarai Valley and Māori Hill Schools have done with the story of Pacific voyaging and the pride that has happened. Now, we've put it into a prison school, and the again, the letters coming from the teachers has said, our first, the first goal of all of this is not to teach, it is to inspire and just have our kids walk with pride. And they will walk with pride into the future, start with primary intermediate, they will hit those secondary, secondary schools knowing why they are doing math, physics, science, because it is a part of Matauranga, not a part of STEM. So I, I got a question, yeah. min, maybe mini challenge for the, the future type thing, right? Yeah. You know, I, I go to this idea of, um, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years of like, you know, say the Treaty of Waitangi culture and community came together with COVID culture and community and potential commerce. And you've been talking about, you know, Iwi stepping up to the spot to for directly to the to the people to take accountability from it. There's been a conversation around, you know, last two years, you haven't been able to trust the government to do it. So now the borders are open, business is just going to go and do their thing. Do you feel there is a macro opportunity for alignment of all iwi in new zealand for something to happen together specifically off the base of of covid for the first time that there's been alignment across all iwi new zealand since the treaty of waitangi i guess like let's go let's go macro like if if we say i just keep th think of the story of new zealand I'm like, cool 1840 starts there and then let's say if a couple of days ago for argument's sake that's like ground zero like we came together now it's kind of turned to shit all right now we're rebuilding like how do you think that kind of unity of purpose or something that's potentially culturally led can potentially look like for new zealand right now i'll give that a quick shot so again if we take the concept of the footsteps our ancestors laid down in the past create the paving stones of where we stand today um, we're the only country in the world. The first footsteps in humankind came out of Africa 90 to 100,000 years ago, and they ended, actually, we keep saying they ended here in Aotearoa. The actual last footsteps in human migration ended on the Chatham Islands. And there's no other country in the world that can say that. We keep talking about Māori arrival in New Zealand, but if you look at those footsteps, those footsteps, we're the only country that has an unbroken path across the globe and back to Africa, Africa to Aotearoa. And I think we can shift the kind of debate when we start to recognise, you know, the first chapter of the New Zealand history curriculum has the title Māori Arrival in New Zealand. Māori never arrived in New Zealand. Māori weren't identified until Captain Cook turned up. So we have got to acknowledge that actually our footsteps go back out into the Pacific Ocean, Pacific Islanders, Samoan, Rarotongan. And as we start, you know, Māori have a role to play in this. And that's one that says, actually, don't colonise the story yourself. You know, we keep talking about Māori arriving in New Zealand. We're colonising the story of those Pacific Islanders who discovered every island you could live on in the Pacific Ocean. An amazing accomplishment. And I think if we start to talk like that, that this story didn't begin with the so-called arrival of Māori in New Zealand. It goes way beyond that. That starts to include everybody and makes the debate and the discussion better. I Just a reminder, I was in the Rootburn track over the weekend and the guide stopped us beside a tree that was 650 years old. And 
I looked at that tree and realized that when Captain Cook arrived, it was already 400 years old. Um, when Cooper arrived in, in Aotearoa, it was still 350 years before it was even going to start growing. You know, we start to look at our history like that, and there's a lot to be proud of. Cool. Mm-hmm. Hopefully right. I'm back, Robert. Back, Jump in there. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, hey, I, I did the root burn a couple of weeks ago, actually, and it was fantastic. Oh. I, I guarantee you did the luxury version, mate. I, eh? <laughs> I, <laughs> he's knighted. It's, it's red carpet the whole uh, way. It's like, what's well, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know I also did the luxury version. So, it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an unbelievable walk. If you ever want to be inspired about the amazing country we live in, do that walk. And it's just absolutely unbelievable. But, hey, look, I, I think you're right. I mean, education... Just when I, I've just caught up with a few things there for my laptop just uh, died on me. But, um, you know, education and the way that, that Māori learn is so different. I, you know, I've got a 16-year-old and, and he just had some some issues actually. But outside of school, and the one person that he was happy to go and talk to that about was um, was his Tereo teacher, actually, in, in the Kaumatua at the school Marae. And, 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 you know, and the first thing that, and, and he was told that you need to talk to your parents and we probably need to talk to the police about some of this stuff. But but it was interesting because I don't reckon any other school system that would happen. You know, it was just because he had, you know, he really trusted them to tell him the right answer, right? And so there was something about getting kids into that environment that that is so much better for them growing up. And, that, you know, and, and there's so many elements to this. As you say, it's not about NCEA because... You know, I left school at 15. School was bloody useless for me. And, um, no, because I wasn't right. When I was older, I was happy to go and sit down and learn and to do all sorts of stuff. But but at that particular age, I wasn't. And um, so there is, you know, getting getting that structure to get the kids into an environment where they learn differently and then they're, as you say, inspired to learn. And then there is a pathway that says, again, if you, if you jump back to what's good for New Zealand or what, Nothing is, 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 is more tightly bound to this country than Māori, right? So when I go, let's go and create some, some, you know, some, some employment in the regions. Let's, the amount of times that we could have maybe sold our company or done something differently. And, and I, I remember actually even um, when we had the option to sell it and, and people asked me why not. And I said, well, you know, if we can't create large technology-based companies from New Zealand, who's going to do it? So we just had this you know, this philosophy. And, and I do think that that's why Māori will add a huge amount of value for all of New Zealand because they've just got this much closer. And, and it's not to say that there aren't lots of parking out there like that, but I do really truly believe that, that, that um, you know, that, that, that setting and those really big questions that you get asked sometimes, like, are you, you know, which way are you going to go? Um, it, it does make you think differently. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's really important. And like I just, I saw um, uh, Marissa before. I thought she made some some, some really good points um, back to the, you know, the, that subject around um, what was happening in, in Wellington and also why and 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 the, the deeper issues. I think that yeah, there's a certain amount of people down there that that just wanted to fight, and you're always going to get that. But there's a lot of people who went down there. Um, 
for, you know, I've got some friends that run a hairdresser up, you know, um, and, and they drove down from Auckland because her life was destroyed and she just couldn't see the point anymore and why she had to have these mandates and why her business couldn't survive and why she couldn't pay, you know, she having to sell a house and all those sorts of things. And, 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 and there was no reason for it because, as you say, there were things. So there was a lot of people who were really deeply disenfranchised with what was going on and, 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 it's, and it's a hard one. And there were also, I mean, actually... Um, you know, I, I don't know. Russell Coots went down, and he, he just lives up the road from me, actually. Um, but and I'm not saying I agree with everything he was doing, but I do agree with the, his yeah. viewpoint. Which oh, is, you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I agree with the point that there wasn't enough critical thinking. You know, like like I think his point was, you know, when the All Blacks couldn't, um, you know, we weren't winning World Cups. We didn't go. Let's go and get some more forwards, coach. Let's go and do some more backline moves. Let's go and do some more strategy. Somebody went. Let's go and get a psychiatrist and figure out the top two inches on how you actually solve this. So it's not always about. And, and I guess, and I know it's Sir Ian's issue, right? It's not just about getting loads of experts who are just going, well, I'm an expert in epidemiology or I'm an expert in this. It's about saying, well, why don't you get some outside help to come in and give you some different ideas? Because that's exactly what we all do. Um, so, so I think there was a little bit of, of frustration from a range of people on that as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, it just seems to me that we've just, Mr. Trick, and so you know, if you, if you if you work in reverse, then it's let's make sure that we have an education system that's inclusive and 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 aligned with you know a Maori way of thinking. Let's make sure that we always have critical thinking, and we're allowed to criticise governments, and we're allowed to criticise what people do, and we're not just written off as people moaning because it's all about business people wanting to make more money. It's not at all. It's about trying to take that on board so i mean that's just a couple of my thoughts sorry i was, I was a bit out think, of uh, out, out of yeah. there, but yeah just tp i just want to acknowledge tp because i think tp you, you, this really is highlighting covid highlighted that social divide that has been here for a long time and it's going to actually make it worse because if i talk to like our business we are now doing better than we ever did before covid i was talking to a law firm the other day they had their best year last year. So who's benefiting? It's that the people who are at the top already, uh, the gap is driving wider. And you're right, that division was here before. COVID will make it worse if we don't recognise it and do something about it. Yeah. yeah I think there, TP? I'm keen for your, your take on it. Yeah, I, I think one... I'm a, a great purveyor of many um, wise sayings from people smarter than me. And um, one of the ones that I, I really like is um, this concept of kumara economics that I've adopted. And it's that money is like a kumara and that it has no value outside of its ability to sustain people. And like we have um, too long used as a nation GDP, as a Maori economy, use this, um, this um, blanket um, growth in assets over the years to signal our success, where really the, the signal of our sh success shouldn't be how much we can grow, but how we materially change our people's lives using those assets. That's how our traditional economies were. They were reciprocal in nature, reciprocal with the people in them, reciprocal with the environment by which we derived our value. And so if we can take this opportunity to, to reshape our economy that speaks in reciprocity rather than in incremental gains, I think that that is a real shift towards an Aotearoa economy that we can be proud of. 
Now, in terms of opportunities we can look at, I've always been a big fan of our whakapapa connections driving us to economies of scale. I think if you look at our ancestral waka um, and the ability to do things like a Japanese trading house, a sogoshosha, and, and the ability to, to look on a global scale. And, and you're right, Sirian, about, um, you know, we often think about the Pacific as being many island states, but that was never the case. Traditionally, it was one big ocean state. It was kahiki mata te tapuaya tangaroa, ka fai mata te tapuaya tangaroa. Tangaroa flows to and, fr and to and fro. That was who we are. It is who we are. It's in our DNA. And so we need to challenge the perceptions of our own limitations to act on our whakapapa and the legacy that we were given and drive those opportunities for us to reinvest in our people and make them prosper uh, along, with, along with the top-line numbers that seem to gather so much attention. Robert, he should be Prime oh. Minister. Don't you reckon? Yeah, that's it. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon. Well, I've just seen a future prime minister. <laughs> it's not a bad soundbite, mate. So, in the perfect segue, I know I don't. I know we had kind of a potential stop here at ten. If you want to stay on, you're more than welcome to. If you want, hey, I've got to go pick someone up at the airport. Sorry. No, no, sweet bro, you, you go do your thing, Ian, and we'll and on that. Watch the segue, Ian. You ca you can't get better than this. So, on the cop topic of conversation and politics, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Goldsmith, how are you, mate? <laughs> oh, good. So you're like, what, what, oh, God, I wish I knew he was here. I've got a few things to say, Paul. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> jump back on in. <laughs> jump back on later, in. Much love, bro. Yeah, come on. Shot, brother. Yeah. Um, oh, shut up. <laughs> okay. Ian, all this technology can't get off the flipping screen. <laughs> Such a good bastard. No. Uh, how, how, how are you doing, Mr. Goldsmith? Oh, very well. Um, I'm in, uh, in Auckland in the Queen City at the moment uh, and uh, stuck at home, actually, uh, because I'm a household contact. Uh, and uh, so we've got a bit of COVID around the place, So, um, I, I, which meant that I, I, I missed uh, all the um, some of the comings and going in Parliament uh, early last week, but uh, watched with uh, great sadness how it all unfolded. Yeah, I don't know if you've um, met some of the crew here, but yeah, TP and, and Grant, uh, Paul, I'm sure everyone okay, knows Paul. you in the mix. We've been just having a good little um, good little banter around, you know, New Zealand state of play, whatever. And for full transparency, I also, and I'd said to the other crew before, um, this isn't just a, a one-sided fair. I actually reached out to someone else who was on the Labour side to ask them to join. And for some reason, all of a sudden, they didn't want to talk publicly live. Who would have thought? <laughs> so so I appreciate you, um, Paul, stepping up and just uh, I'm an equal opportunity uh, platform to be able to chat away. So maybe in a nutshell, I don't know if you'd sort of gone through the bits and pieces. Um, like, how do you how do you feel the, I guess, the state of play of Aotearoa right now is from, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse, you're in the mix there, Paul. You kind of know really what's going on from a culture and commercial standpoint. How do you read it at a top line right now over the last um, little bit? Oh, look, I think uh, people are, um, uh, are anxious over a number of uh, issues. Uh, you know, top of the pops is, is around the economy uh, where, you know, we're seeing rapid inflation. Um, we're, we're sort of wondering about how we're going to make a living and, and be competitive and do well. And um, the economy has been propped up at the moment by huge government spending and borrowing and incredibly low interest rates. And neither of those are sustainable long term. And so um, uh, we've got to come up with a bit more of a plan there. Uh, secondly, I think, you know, there's you know, massive um, uh, sort of 
frustration that, that not much progress has been made on on those big sort of social issues, particularly around housing, which is um, yeah, the, just an incredible cost of housing, which continues to go up and rents going up, and that's putting real pressure on on many households. Now, if you see rate, rents going up 140 bucks a week in the last few years, um, that, that is a sort of a real driver of dysfunction and pressure. And then, then there is um, this kind of uh, sense of, of social di di division that is um, creeping in, and, um, and uh, you know we saw the, the the sharp end of the spear, I suppose, down in Parliament. But it, it is much broader than that, and so uh, you know I think a real, you know, th th there is a need to you know focus on what we share and 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 um, more unified sort of purpose, and and to try to resist the urge um, that I'm I'm afraid you know, it seems to be a bit of a hallmark of, of this government of sort of pitting one group of New Zealanders against each other. Um, you know, the farmers versus the the uh, city folk, the um, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, the uh, um, uh, 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 different uh, different groups in, you know, uh, in, in the uh, broader sort of uh, areas that they're focused on. And so um, that's what, um, you know, I think some of the top line issues are. Uh, people are pretty keen, obviously, to break out and 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 travel again. Uh, and and if you're in the tourism sector or the international education sector, you're desperate for the borders to start to reopen and 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 to have an opportunity to make a living. Well, you, I mean, you'd, one of the things in our conversation before with um, Sir Ian stuff we were jumping on is the kind of the growing tension between. Um, those in the private sector and, and business and iwi that have potential possible solutions that have been trying to like get access to the uh, decision makers in parliament to get access to the people to have the right conversation to try and test these things out but it feels like there's like friction or handbrakes between the existing political system and possible solutions that can actually help the people in real time how you obviously understand understand the landscape better than most paul from to move new zealand if, if a couple of days ago was i guess a, one of the darkest days we've had moving forward how would you give, what advice would you give to strategic, like to change strategy on how maybe the private sector can potentially work with public to make it more efficient and better? Because at the, by the sounds of it, it's kind of like those in business, like stuff it. we're just going to do our own thing. We can't trust the government stuff it. we're around our own shit. You understand the system. How would you potentially give advice to try and approach it a little bit differently for more forward momentum and progress for community and culture in New Zealand? Well, well, I mean, I can understand that mindset. I mean, if you if, if you go back, you know, if you look at the whole COVID strategy of, of the government, um, uh, it was uh, essentially just to buy time. You know, I mean, that that, that was the strategy uh, two years back, um, and boy, did we buy time. Uh, you know, I don't think most New Zealanders quite appreciate that. Of all the wealthy countries in the world, New Zealand has spent um, the second most per capita. On its COVID response, uh, where, where you are, Robert, is number one. Uh, old crazy old Biden just is flinging money around like nobody's been. So I've got a couple, a niece and a nephew who, uh, uh, who who live in New Zealand, have all their lives that they still got a big check from the US government because they're US citizens. I mean, they're just throwing money everywhere. So putting Biden to one side, New Zealand is second, uh, which is a bit odd. You'd think, you know, hang on a moment, we're one of the most naturally isolated places. We didn't have all the uh, um, uh, the, the situation that they had in Europe and so forth, but we've managed to spend a lot more on it, uh, and primarily because we've shut down our biggest industry in tourism and and had all these subsidies, which were the biggest thing. But also, the government spent a whole lot of, you know, billions on all sorts of stuff which are not really related to COVID um, uh, under the the, the rubric, rubric of the COVID spending. So anyway, we spent a lot to buy time in order to prepare the health system. 
so that we can um, be prepared. The problem was, uh, as we all know, in 2021, they didn't use that time uh, effectively. And so we fluffed around for six months on the vaccine, and that's what led to the second lockdown uh, because apparently other countries needed it more. And then secondly, we haven't done any increase in the ICUs uh, in the hospital system to prepare. And as a result, the next time a uh, uh, next wave comes along, we have to be ultra conservative and shut everything down because we're not prepared. Uh, and uh, likewise, on the rat tests, um, uh, you know, the, the officials just said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. Don't believe in it. Not going to believe it until finally they suddenly changed their mind. And yes, we're doing it and we're going to steal everybody else's. And, and so that, that kind of um, buying time and not doing anything with it uh, is greatly undermined uh, people's uh, confidence in the sort of basic competence of the, the, the ministry and, and the government as they've handled it. Uh, and so the, I think it's a perfectly logical um, conclusion for a lot of businesses to draw is that, you know, heck, we just got to do our own thing uh, uh, and um, uh, muddle through. Uh, and um, I don't, it's very difficult to see how uh, that mindset would change um, uh, from, from you know, the, the current administration that we've got. And, and you know, I think that's going to be a, a challenge for them because they do tend to have a tendency to think, uh, they know best, and uh, they'll just do it. Whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, um, it's 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 distressing to see, but uh, it, it is how it works. So, Grant, I'll maybe let you jump in for a sec here. Obviously, you know you, you know you're running businesses. You're thinking of it. How do you think? from a private sector, you know, from the businesses that are trying to grow back better or build a better New Zealand post COVID, how do you think that businesses could ideally like to potentially work with government or do you kind of saying that everyone's like stuff it, let's just do our own thing. Like where do you sit on it in terms of like ongoing partnerships slash alliance slash whatever to work with, with others? Yeah, look, I mean, I think obviously, and Ian alluded to, and I'm the same, you do just run your own, you know, you just go out and say, right, we've just got a, you know, we, we had an office in Gisborne, we were trying to grow that, we had, we got up to about 15 people, and then uh, over over a few, you know, several years, and then we basically couldn't get people in, we couldn't, we couldn't put global roles there, because we didn't get one single MIQ spot in two years for our business, and, you know, we're a $60 million business, employing 250 people, and, um you know, I couldn't once get a, a spot um, and pay for it myself or do anything. So, um, and, and so we made the decision that we had to go and put an office in the Philippines and start to build out some resources there. Um, and that's been successful for us. And as I say, that there was, you know, all, all networks and business frameworks can take a, or a business networks can take a bit of bruising, but you don't want to change the, the underlying structure. And so what we've seen now is a, is a business community that 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 fundamentally doesn't trust um, that you know the government in terms of allowing us to to be and do what we need to do. So we will make decisions to change the way that we work. And and the issue that you've got with companies like ours, which we could be based anywhere, we're a technology company, we could be absolutely based anywhere in the world, um, and have our IP based anywhere in the world, and, and pay out our taxes anywhere in the world. Um, is you know what's the incentive to get them to be down here and and how do you work so so if I was the government now I would be creating some kind of business government um, you know uh, network or, or, or group that um, really work together to try and figure out what we needed from the government and the things that we would need to make it 
New Zealand a you know a great place for, for, a, the you know a perception of a great place rather than the perception now which is hey this is a country that's very conservative that's very remote um, and 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 how are we going to change that um, and it has to be genuine and I guess the issue is is that we don't I personally wouldn't trust if they said look this is what we're going to do and you go and commit to it and then it's just a, sort of a load of token words that they come out with it has to have bite to it we, they have to you know we have to say look if we want certain employment laws or we need certain um structures for us to be able to do this then they've got to listen and and if it gets sidelined and then it becomes you know an ideological ideological argument around some structures it's not going to work so i don't have a pause there that's probably just my quick brain dump on it yeah well uh, or jump in. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, you can have, um, and the government sets up lots of business advisory groups and so forth. But uh, um, and um, our, Chris Luxon was on one of them, uh, and um, ultimately, um, uh, it's only a question of whether they listen to them or not. And typically, they don't. Um, I, I personally think the best things that you know that a government can do is, is you know just do adhere to the basics. Of what uh, um, is the successful formula for for any uh, economy around the world, and where New Zealand has done well, which is you know uh, um, uh, the most important. Where do you get any sort of progress or, or productivity growth or, or improvement or, or wealth creation? It's ultimately from uh, people and businesses investing, uh, in investing in new plant or machinery or people or capability or, or, or technology. Uh, and what what are the conditions in which people are more likely to invest? Well, when they feel confident. Uh, and uh, there's you know you, there's a lot around that that you can't control. We can't control what's going on in Ukraine and what's happening in the world. Uh, but um, confidence in the country to, it, it can be shown by having a government that has a clear sort of economic plan and direction. Uh, that's that 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 its uh, fiscal policies are sustainable. Uh, that that it's kind of predictable in the way that it governs, and you know, so uh, the, the opposite of that is you know, sort of arbitrary to decisions like sort of banning oil and gas overnight with no sort of uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, analysis or anything like that, no warning. Those those sorts of arbitrary decisions, unpredictable decisions, have an you know, incredible impact on uh, business confidence to invest. Uh, and then flexible labour markets is another core, um, you know, basic uh, principle that is. Uh, served us very well. And, you know, right now, this government's wanting to bring in what they call fair pay agreements, which is a return to sort of national awards, which is, you know, a, a clunky uh, 1970s style kind of approach to the world, which is the opposite of what we need um, in, in the modern, uh, rapidly changing environment. And so um, rather than going away from the, those basics, it's just adhering to those basics over an extended period of time. Uh, and that's that, that's where you you uh, allow people to just get on with things and feel confident to make those investments uh, and to uh, open the uh, um, you know get get their businesses going o on the on the border stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Um, there's been a real lack of urgency over the, the the situation. You know, I keep on hearing from the prime minister. You know, underread everything is sort of pretty much back to normal. You can carry on your life. Everything is not back to normal. You know, our largest. Uh, the largest export earner tourism is shut down for two years and with no end in sight still. Uh, international education was our fourth largest earner. That's been shut down with no end in sight, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, there's massive constraint on the economy. And, and every week that goes past, 
makes a big difference. Uh, and, and sort of just taking, you know, oh, well, we might sort of get around to it in a few months' time is, is uh, really hurting um, a, a lot of people right now. And so a sense of urgency is, I think, important. Um, hey, TP, I know you've got to sort of boost off, but you want to just jump on on the back, back of that, and I'll send you on your merry way into to awesomeness. But, yeah, um, jumping on that, I'm, I'm keen for your, um, your thoughts. Yeah, I think it, it does come back to that conversation that, um, that we we're having previously around this idea that leadership needs to be both empathetic and courageous. And I think we have seen a lot of empathy, which is, which is great. And we, we're here for people. That's the main thing that we're about. We do require some um, moving towards taking courageous decisions that are outside the realms or the bounds of comfort. Uh, and in listening to, to Grant and, and, to, Ian and, to, and to Paul, um, there needs to be an understanding that uh, disagreement doesn't mean dissension, and we shouldn't have to move to a point where we can, uh, where we rattle sabers every time that someone doesn't agree with um, a particular position that we're taking. Um, when we wananga in a traditional sense, it's about fifakaro. It's about following the thought and pulling it apart and being able to build a greater understanding together. And that needs to be the approach to how we guide the future of the country, not um, to be. Um, not to be rigid in our approach and to say that the internal advice that's being um, being proffered is the only advice that should be considered because at, at the end of the day uh, you can't solve um, you can't solve problems um, in say in Purirua or in Kaiti in Gisborne or in Dargaville in, in Whangarei or where I have Whakapapatu you can't solve them from Lampton Key we need to be able to have people who intimately understand the issues that are driving um, uh, that are driving the issue, the problems that we're seeing in our communities, being able to filter those in and having people like our business leaders being able to say, this is our lived experience uh, of how we're able to move forward. And we offer that in order to make our situation better. And so I think courage is the one thing that I really would um, promote and moving past that, uh, that risk aversion that has uh, become characteristic of what we've seen through the last um, couple of years in the COVID response. Um, and at some points that is appropriate, but we're now to a point where we need to be risk-seeking, like our tupuna who left Hawaii all a thousand years ago in order to get to a place that where they didn't, um, they weren't sure was there. We need to be able to leap off in order to secure the future for our people. And so that courage is what I would encourage, just, not just for public sector, but for um, business leaders, for iwi, for community leaders. I think courage is what's required now. Spoken like a future politician. Yeah. Holy Paul, yeah, watch out I for reckon. this guy, mate. He's, he's coming yeah, for you, bro. I reckon. Hey, t- yeah, oi, I TP, um, stay out of mischief, brother, and I really appreciate your time this morning, TP. Legend, bro. Telefano, awesome, I said, what up, bro? You. I'll talk to you soon, eh? Legend, bro. Yeah. 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 Shot, TP. Just like that, jeez. Um, hey, boy, I know you're a, a pretty busy man. you got to um, bust off soon. But what I was going to actually just jump in before you leave is, um, you know, border's been shut for a couple of years. Uh, finally opens up. Air New Zealand, I don't know if you know, did a massive digital blast marketing globally everywhere to basically say, New Zealand's open, let's go. Like, you know, just like pretty, pretty hard. And then 24 hours later, second story on the New York Times, New Zealand burning in flames at the at the parliament. So in terms of timeline, there seems like there's some potential, like I know Grant's wanting to get out to try and get some business shit done. From a brand perspective of New Zealand, like how critical do you think this next sort of, you know, time is to, um, I guess, you know, 
calm the the fears of of the global but basically you know visually the brand of new zealand doesn't look quite great right now and i'm sure in new zealand the rest of it's and tourism industry is probably a bit pissed how do you what do you think i guess the most critical things for uh the the tourism or, or travel sector and business in the next uh between now and christmas for 2022 there you go well look look it's, it's not going to be easy uh, um but you know new zealand's brand, uh, you know ultimate offering uh, is uh, wonderful, and uh, we've got a lot going for us as a country, and I've no doubt that over time uh, uh, we'll be able to build back um, what is an important part of uh, our economy in terms of tourism, uh, but also, you know, return to the uh, you know, international flow that's so critical to our way of life. And so, um, look, I, 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 so long term, I'm very confident. Uh, short term, you know, it will be very tough. There are a lot of businesses that are, you know, on their knees, uh, it's going to be, uh, yeah, there's so much uncertainty out there. Uh, they may, the government, you know, when we talk about our risky sort of risk averse attitude, you know, I think people will naturally be uh, um, worried that um, some new new um, variant will come along and 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 um, Jacinda Ardern will shut the place down again uh, and, and all your plans will fall awry. And so it'll take a while for confidence to build up. Uh, the Trans-Tasman um route of course is an important place to start where it's slightly less risky and you know if we can get them back into Queenstown that will make a big difference um, but look yeah, it's going to be very tough and you know I, I suppose one thing government could be doing uh, is not putting additional pressure uh, on and so you know massive minimum wage increases uh, extra you know industrial relations changes and, and a whole bunch of other things uh, put through at the same time uh, uh, as these businesses are struggling doesn't help uh, and um, th that's where I think they're tone deaf on those sorts of issues. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for jumping in, Paul. I know you're busy, got lots on. Thanks for jumping in. I, I, and for, I just hit, hit you up last time. I was like, yo, we're getting on. You jump in. He's like, yep, keen. So I appreciate your time. And I know you're a busy, man. So thanks for jumping in, bro. It's good. And uh, great, to, great cool. to hear. And, and, and absolutely right about um, you know that broader risk aversion that we've got to deal with as a country. Uh, as an Aucklander, I mean, it's, it's, it's just another example of that. It's all, all of a sudden in the last couple of years, every time it gets windy, they shut the Harbour Bridge uh, uh, and, and just shut the city down for half a day uh, because it's got windy. Uh, it's suddenly, you know, sort of randomly out of nowhere that that, that, that has become uh, an issue. And so this kind of attitude is creeping in um, to many parts of how we live our lives. And, and, you know, I think we've got to be a little bit um, careful about that uh, and, and recognise that, you know, actually getting around and doing stuff and getting on with their lives, people just want to get on with their lives and to look after themselves and their families and make a living. Uh, and um, the best thing that governments can do most of the time is uh, get out of the way and let people uh, be the, you know, incredibly creative, um, uh, capable people that we Kiwis are. Anyway, good to see you. Legend. Yeah, sure, bro. I'll, I'll see you soon. Appreciate for, Thanks for jumping on, Paul. Legend. Later, bro. Cool. Yeah. From champ. All right. Flipping Goldie in the mix. There you go. Flipping rad. Jump in. Um, good little, good little banter on it. Um, and I, I, I literally just had to had to say I was like, hey, um, I had asked people from Labour also to potentially jump in as well, but they they, they chose not to. Um, but uh, it's it's all good. But um, what do you think about all that, G? What's your what's your take? H happy? Get it? Yeah. So, do you feel more positive? I guess. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I think it's it, it, it's it's a it's a pretty good snapshot of the nation. I thought just just the way that everybody, you know, the the, the shared experience that most people have had of issues of um, you know dealing with COVID, but but trying to run companies or trying to 
run a household or going through lockdowns with bloody kids. And, um, yeah, we've all had this shared experience. But for me, it's really very much now about moving forward. I think you're right. Things like tourism, you know, we've got such an amazing asset in New Zealand. It, it will come back and it will bounce back. But business is a really different, uh, mm. a, a different case. Um, so so there's that side of it, which I think is, is again, that's, that's about letting us get on with it and giving us the framework. Um, you know, we've acquired nine companies around the world. And whenever we get one in a, in a really socialist country with really strong employment laws, it's hard to change and it's hard to adapt. And the reason that they've sold is because they haven't been able to change their business. So we, we don't want to be that country. Uh, in terms of mm. the, the, the country itself, I, I think most people understand that there were some idiots down in Wellington and most people aren't like that. But there's a lot of disenfranchised people who have had um, you know, leverage put against them and then they've gone and used leverage back because that's what happens in these situations. Um, but I'm a positive kind of guy. I, I think that um, we, we've just got to figure out how we do it as a nation. Um, we, we do need... Mm the government to, to kind of say, look, this is the way forward now. We're getting out of your way. We're going to let you get on with these things. And regardless of what's happens, let's, let's just be positive and, and figure out how we make this country, you know, really win over the next sort of few decades. Spoken like a true optimist, my man. <laughs> That's me, mate. No, actually, I was told, one of our directors did, did tell me once, I'm not a half a glass half full guy. Um, even if there's only a few drops left in the bottom of the glass, I think it's full. So, you know, and, and that's the yeah. attitude you need, I think. Yeah. I'm sure. I get it, especially with business. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I know you're also a very busy man yourself. Congratulations on all, all the wins and the roll-ups. And, and probably more importantly is proven that potentially can get done to build these big software companies uh, in New Zealand. And, and you know, distance is no barrier when it comes to success. And and actually even the optics of knowing that these local-made businesses that are Māori-owned, Māori-run and based in um, Aotearoa is, um, is doable, achievable. And, you know, it's not just you know, pack your bags and fly over here to Silicon Valley and try and get your Series A from from any of the any of the other crew here. You know what I mean? So, um, big yeah, you can do it all from here, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Um, appreciate you, brother. Thanks for your time, Brian. I'll talk to you soon. Chachi, lay bro. Just like that. What a good little banter. Flipping TP Carton came through. Sir Ian Taylor had some good good um, good chats and insights. Um, Grant Straker, Straker translations. Nine uh, little roll-ups or acquisitions already. 60 mil turnover, 250 staff, 16 different uh, offices all around the show. And very passionate, obviously, entrepreneurial side. Dropped out of school when he was, I think, 15 um, as well. And he's doing awesome, which is cool. Uh, also appreciate Paul Goldsmith for jumping in. Um, what we're going to do is I've put a link down. Um, if you've been watching along for this entire time, I can see a bunch of you are up there. Um, you can click the link and jump in, and I'll um, open it up for another couple minutes if you want to um, – uh, have your say. What did you think? What was, uh, what's your take on it? Um, protest, lockdown, MIQ, but probably potentially more importantly, so it's not just a fucking bitch fest, is um, how do we grow back, build back better? Stronger, um, safer for all, and in a way that makes sense for others. So um, I've put a link right there. Uh, put it it should pop up um if you are available and have um some insights or two cents on either anything that sir ian said tp Katane, well spoken by the way stanford stanford uh stanford ex stanford graduate there um you can tell um 
Here we go, Angela. Um, I also think that for our rangatai, life experience and trying lots of different things and discovering a passion before they get into STEM system will get better results. Foster innovation in rangatahi knowing that they don't have to build the tech or conduct the research, but they can collaborate with those that do and understand how much science and tech can help them address changes that have experienced along the journey will be more than fruitful than jumping straight into study where they have. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the cool things here, Angela, is, you know, seeing the growth of Grant's business. It's like by design and by purpose, he's trying to send a message to um, the fact that, you know, these things can be done here. Technology is, you know, now global and any of these businesses, there's no reason you necessarily need to um, go outside of it. Um, uh, Hidea, the, the way tourism was run needs to change though in terms of sustainability and environment. Also agree. And there's been heaps of comments here. Um, Joy Miller, <laughs> TP for Prime Minister. I'm telling you, mate, TP's a weapon. Watch out for him. Uh, Rana Inspirational. Uh, if you're watching this right now, you want to jump in, more than happy to. Just cl click the link and uh, you'll pop up in a little um, thing. I can add you into the show and you can I can see your face and you can tell me what you think. Uh, how can we bridge the racial gap? Oh, geez, that's a big one. You'd be asking everyone in the world about that one. Uh, the mandates are such a blunt tool. They see us uh, as stats and forgot that we are human. I think when you think about... Um, a lot of those that were down there, especially the other ones, people just, you know, they kind of over it. They'd hit the, hit the wall and were like, stuff this. Um, Hidea, if we want to accelerate opportunities for Māori, we need to be engaged at Hapu level also. Um, agreed. And another one, there are awesome things happening in this country. We need to move our focus and keep supporting our change makers. I think that's probably one of the biggest, um, to, the, to your point there, um, is a lot of the change makers multiple people that I've talked to in this space have felt um, not heard, not listened to, not embraced, not empowered, um, not uh, really immobilized or not allowed to do what they do best to actually help others. So a lot of that is actually frustration because the change makers don't feel they're listened to, you know, um, Ryan Charlton, getting the focus back into for legitimate concerns such as land rights, self-determination, even anti-racism instead of conspiracy. But yes, like the Wellington protests, we'll be right. I think probably your point there, Ryan, is, you know, there's a small few who wanted to get active and get into it. I understand that. But there were a lot of people who, um, I guess, believed in it, but didn't want, uh, you know, they didn't want to see it escalate to what it, what it did as well. Uh, da, da, da. Joy, if the government wants to do just one thing right, please don't waste money on consultants to analyze, evaluate, and create a report on what worked and what didn't, please. Oh, no, it was, what's that saying? Like, no one ever got fired for Hind Deloitte or whatever, one of the, the big four. It's like, there's a bunch to that. Uh, Ian Taylor, uh, have a listen to this e response, please. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Uh, no one else is jumping in, so I will probably end this up here. TP for Prime Minister for sure. There you go. <laughs> Uh, let's see, we had uh, what do we say? Uh, thanks for bringing us that, Robert. Amazing, Mahi brother. Let me shut team, appreciate it. All right, well, that's been a good little banter. I'm gonna peace on out of here. I'll give it 10 more seconds if anyone wants to jump in, and I'll be um, shutting this thing down. I just had a note here, which was weapons being underutilized. We have a lot, not weapons like physical weapons of bombs and ammunition stuff, but actually, um, the amount of uh great smart humans that are doing lots of cool shit that aren't getting the time or the bandwidth. So I guess my thing with it would be, uh, shout out to you, Robert House for creating space for these kinds of cool, great opportunities for people to come together and share. Thanks, Malcolm. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is a, my two cents, not that it's worth much, but I listen and I like to learn a little bit, is 
the amount of amazing Kiwis who are really, really, really smart, who are not being listened to or empowered by those in power is pretty staggering. And I don't know whether that's ego because everyone thinks they could do it with the best himself or not, but either or, that's about it. All right, team, I'm out of here. I uh, hope you have a good day. Be good, be great. And uh, yeah, peace. Cheers, team. Repeat Live, episode 301. Done. Ciao.